From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Ayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WisPolitics.com. He provides a roundup of the Wisconsin developments you need to know. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, J.R. Welcome to Capital Notes. Thanks for having me. So the issue of gun violence remains front and center for Americans after a gunman killed five people at a bank in Louisville, Kentucky last Monday, and two weeks prior, a shooter in Nashville killed three children and three adults at a school. In Wisconsin last week, two GOP state lawmakers began circulating legislation that would allow school employees with a concealed carry license to carry a firearm on school grounds. What can you share with us about that? Well, you know, Republicans are in an interesting position right now. They're trying to find issues that they can talk about that better connect with voters than where they've been before. And one of the reasons you're, I'm talking about that is look at the results from the Supreme Court race, from the contest for governor last fall. There is definitely an issue for Republicans connecting to certain voters, particularly suburbanites. Um, this is not a great issue for them to be pushing with what's going on nationally. Now, I'm not trying to debate the merits of the bill period. I'm just talking about the politics of it. And if you're a party that struggled with certain voters, what are you doing to reconnect with them? This is not going to help those suburban moms who quite frankly have been turned off by the Republican Party due to Donald Trump, abortion, other things. This may be a tough sell to help you win them back if you're going to push legislation like this. It seems that Evers tweeted that the new bill shouldn't make it to his desk, but if it does, he'll veto it. Oh, I mean, Governor Evers has made clear he's not going to sign any bill that's going to expand the ability to carry a weapon in public or anything like that. He he wants to go the direction of red flag laws, of universal background checks. He wants more restrictions, not you know making a more liberal gun policy in Wisconsin. This is not going to fly with him, no. So what's the theory behind bringing this bill? Well, there's been a, the Germantown School Board um, passed a resolution calling for something like this. Remember, the bill would allow districts to approve policies that would then allow school employees to carry concealed weapons on campus if they have a permit, but also waive the cost of a permit for teachers. So you wouldn't have to carry, a, you know, you wouldn't have to allow it. You have to have the school, you know, the district have to approve it, but it would open the door to that. Because right now there are state and federal laws on gun-free zones. Uh, you know, the property of the school plus a thousand feet, I think it is. There are exceptions under that. So for example, if you live within a thousand feet of a school, you can have a gun in your own home. Like that's not prohibited. The federal law has an exception for those who have a concealed carry permit that's approved by a state level of background check or something like that. We don't have that same exception in state law, so it doesn't apply here. Uh, this would kind of get at that what other people might be doing in other places of like arming teachers, the argument being from advocates of if you don't if you have a gun free zone sign, you're basically creating a soft target, they say, that you're telling people who have guns who are not good people. There are no guns here to stop you, so come on in. What's the position of Democrats on this bill and on having more armed people in schools? Oh, they just think it's a bad idea. They're just not seeing how that is going to be an adequate response. They're arguing for things like fewer guns, period, and pointing out that we've seen situations where there are armed people who have not been able to stop those with high-powered weapons going into schools. So they're questioning why we should be trying to think that teachers are not just teachers, but also armed personnel for a school district. All right. So in the recent April election, there was an advisory, which means non-binding welfare referendum that passed. 
basically indicating that there should be work requirements to get some government welfare benefits. Has that prompted any action in the state capitol? Yeah, I've seen at least five bills related to unemployment insurance uh, that have circulated in recent weeks. Another one that would require the Evers administration to check the eligibility of people who are on Badger Care Plus uh, health care program. Another that would uh, ban local governments from having guaranteed income programs, which is basically paying people a salary to just live there. There are all things going on because this is a better issue for Republicans than abortion or guns. People, generally speaking, want to see those on public benefits to have to do something for it, to do work search, requ- you know, meet work search requirements, to be doing something, not just getting it for doing nothing. And so Republicans feel like this is a much better place for them to be a much better topic to discuss and push, especially looking at the referendum, right? It was approved by 78% of voters that childless, able-bodied adults should have to meet some kind of work requirements to qualify for public benefits. This is just much better territory for them and... Republicans will argue it helps. Get, it would help get people in the workforce. We have record low on, uh, unemployment right now, 2.7%, I think it was, last time they announced it. Uh, we have a pretty good lot, uh, labor participation rate in Wisconsin compared nationally, but we're still not filling jobs that we have. Part of it is, you know, the baby, baby boom generation is retiring, retiring a little bit earlier than maybe past generations, and there aren't the same number of people in the workforce to fill these jobs the question is, how do you get people in the workforce? How do you get them into these positions? And Republicans will argue this is one way to do it by getting people, giving them an incentive to get off of welfare and onto a work role. What's the Democratic position on these types of bills creating work requirements for non-disabled, childless adults? Well, just that they're not addressing other barriers for people, such as the cost of providing childcare, for example, that there are things that are keeping people in the workforce, that that would be a more productive way to use state resources and time than trying to force them into additional requirements beyond already on the books for things like unemployment. What's the ultimate fate of these types of bills, though? You know, Governor Evers vetoed most of these unemployment bills last session, maybe a little bit different forms, but most of the same ideas. I don't see any signs that he's been swayed from where he was before on these issues, so it's not looking like we're going to see a big push from Democrats get on board or that Evers is going to change his position compared to last session. So we're talking about continued gridlock in the state government. Let's think a little bit about the federal government for a moment. Last week, Democratic U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin of Madison announced that she'll be seeking re-election in 2024. It's a key part of Democrats' efforts to maintain control of the Senate. What can you tell us about that? Well, she announced she is, um, you know, a two-term incumbent, a proven fundraiser, Uh, She works the state pretty hard. She's in pretty good position. The caveat is, unless things go south, and by things, I mean the economy, Joe Biden's, you know, job approval numbers. Now, granted, Biden's numbers are great, but they're not, you know, necessarily in collapsing or anything like that. They've been pretty consistent. Um, So the worry for Baldwin would be, okay, what happens if, if things don't go well with the economy the next year? Like, what's that change? Because right now, we've seen... Eric Hovde, businessman from Madison, Scott Mayer, a businessman from Franklin, talking about running for U.S. Senate. They are actually out meeting with people and doing things. But Mike Gallagher, congressman from up in the Green Bay area, you know, National Republicans trying to recruit him to run. Gallagher's got good money in the bank, like $3 bucks end of the year, end of 2022. Nice profile. But he's not going to give up a fairly safe House seat right now, a spot leading the Select Committee on China, for an uphill battle against Tammy Baldwin. 
unless, again, unless things change dramatically. And so what's the environment going to look like a year from now, six months from now? Will Republicans get more of an appetite to go after Baldwin to challenge her? That's a big question. Uh, also, you know, put the environment aside, where's the money going to flow next year? Remember, Democrats have a very difficult map to defend in 2024. If you're a Republican, the first place you're going to go is probably, well, you know, either West Virginia, Ohio, or Montana. Those are pretty decent Republican states, top of the ticket, with Democratic incumbents running for U.S. Senate. So those are your top targets. Your next tier includes Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Nevada. Um, Arizona is kind of an interesting one because you have a, a Democrat turned independent, run, maybe run, run for your election, and then with Democrats and Republicans running as well, that could be a, a crapshoot. So what I'm getting at, though, is will the money flow to Wisconsin? Um, well, the answer is probably if there's a chance, if there's a good opportunity. Uh, we saw $200 million bucks spent in our Senate race plus in 2022. We could see that again if, 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 if the conditions are right and we're a top target. If we fall off the map a little bit, you know, maybe it's not that big a deal. Uh, Baldwin uh, won by 11 points in 2018. So you go, oh, well, she's got really good crossover appeal. At the same time, she had about a five-to-one spending advantage over Leah Vukmir in that race, so it wasn't really much of a fair fight financially. So I'm watching things like who might get in, how much money might flow into Wisconsin, does the environment change? But as we sit here right now, Baldwin's in pretty decent shape. Not that she's you know guaranteed to win, but she's in a strong position to start this campaign. We'll see where it finishes, though. All right, we got some other big news last week that the Democratic National Committee chose Chicago to host the Democratic Presidential Convention next summer. It'll be August 19th through 22nd, 2024. About a month before that, the RNC will be hosting their convention in Milwaukee. What's behind this Midwestern political focus? Well, you know, for Republicans, they see an opportunity to cut back into that blue wall of Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania that crumbled in 2016 but was rebuilt in 2020. You know, there's an attraction to come to Wisconsin, a, a purple state. Now, some would argue after a Supreme Court race in April that we're not as purple anymore. I would caution people to remember that 1.85 million people voted in that Supreme Court race. 3.2 million might vote for president in 2024. So it's a much different electorate. So I'm not sure we're, we're not a swing state anymore because of that. But anyway, the Republicans want to go after that kind of that Midwestern uh, wall, you know, make inroads here. For Democrat Chicago, it's an interesting pick. Uh, their Georgia might be a little more the future of the party because it turned blue in the presidential race in 2020. Uh, but Georgia is also a right-to-work state. So by skipping Atlanta and going to Chicago, you're going to a union town. Uh, there's a message from Joe Biden, who is a big union guy, about the commitment to organized labor in this country. And again, you're also kind of saying, target, we're, we're going to fight for the Midwest. Now, remind people, looking back at years past in terms of like conventions, there's no cause and effect of party X has convention here and won that state that fall. It doesn't really work that way. But, you know, it could have a benefit and also it could have a detriment. I mean, if the conventions go awry, like Democrats in Chicago in 68, um, it doesn't really help you a whole lot. Also think about uh, the Republicans in Milwaukee in 2024. If things go smoothly, could be a boost. But what if, and I'm just throwing out scenarios here, you know, Donald Trump doesn't win the nomination for Republicans and decides he's not going to be ha very happy about it and comes to Wisconsin and, and has a, a rally in Waukesha the same night that the GP nominee is speaking in Milwaukee. 
if Trump is the nominee, could he resist the temptation of ha- just airing a bunch of grievances about Wisconsin losing it in 2020 and claiming falsely that he won Wisconsin? I mean, these are all just things to keep in mind. But the bottom line is, I don't know that having a convention in certain places is that big of a deal when it comes to where you win. It's about the message you deliver during those four days and how well you pull off that convention. But for people who live here in Milwaukee, all the way south, people who live in, the, in between Milwaukee and Chicago, when can they expect this political focus to start heating up? Oh, well, the Republicans are going to have a debate in Milwaukee in August, uh, the first presidential debate that they're going to have. They announced that last week, so that's going to be something to watch. But it's going to ramp up as you know, next summer goes along. There'll be a lot of people in Milwaukee, a lot of money spent in Milwaukee, so it may not be that big a deal for who wins Wisconsin 24, but it's a big deal for people who rely on that industry to make their livings, that's for sure. Well, thanks for the insights, JR, and thank you for joining me on Capital Notes. Anytime. That was J.R. Ross of WISPolitics.com speaking with me, WUWM's Mayan Silver. Listen for our segments every Monday with an extended segment on Lake Effect, and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts. 